1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point right here on KDUS AM 1060 and as always online at KDUS1060.com. Download the new KDUS 1060 app, Apple and Android users. Just type in KDUS 1060 and be a part of all the listener rewards we have for you with that app as well. It is Thursday. It is February 16th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until 1 o'clock today. Busy day in the Valley. Jonathan Gannon, head coach of the Arizona Cardinals wrapped up his introductory press conference about 25 minutes ago or so. You also have Kevin Durant expected to meet the media for the first time in a Suns uniform today around 2 o'clock. So we'll certainly have lots to get into in regards to Valley topics. We'll also hear from Frank Schwab of Yahoo Sports going around NFL in general. But let's set the scene with today's KDUS1060.com poll question. Bob caught up with Matt Snyder, CBSSports.com for a Major League Baseball preview. Pitchers and catchers for the Diamondbacks reported yesterday. Spring training is just about here. So the 2023 Diamondbacks over 75 and a half wins or under 75 75 and a half wins and under remains out in front. 88% of the vote over sitting at 12%. Yeah, they won 74 last year. It was surprising that they got, you know, they had a good season to get to 74 last year. And uh, there's lots of uh, optimism out there. Young players, how soon are they going to produce? I mean, they've got a young nucleus of players throughout their organization. Some will be here this year. Some will not be quite here this year. But uh, there is uh, at least some hope for the future. Whether the future is this year is to be determined. We'll see if we have time to get to it in today's show, but uh, Keith Law of The Athletic did a top 100 prospects, and the Arizona Diamondbacks found several players on that prospect list, so we'll get into some of those names a little bit later on in the show today. But to your point, they did have 74 wins last year when they did not have those expectations. We'll answer this question around 1230 today. Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. Is it time for the Packers and Aaron Rodgers to part ways? Yes, leading the way at 86.7% of the vote. No sitting at 13.3% on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. Uh, Bob, is Aaron officially in the darkness? Uh, yeah, I guess he is. Well, you, I think he... They said he was maybe. I don't think there's an exact date when he goes into the darkness, I guess. Or when he comes out, whether it's going to be a decision or not, I don't know. I mean, it just seems to be a dark area. <laughs> oh, darkness all around. Uh, so yes. we'll get into that a little bit later George, on. George Harrison had a you know, like song called Beware of Darkness back in the day, and All Things Must Pass, one of his best, probably his best album ever. But uh, 
post Beatles, but uh, that, that's a, you know we should have I should have played that song earlier in the show, right? Should have done that right before I got to the poll questions and entered in the uh, pipeline. Good to think about that now, Bob. Good job there. About an hour too late. Oh, that's all right. All right. We have time. I can I can try to find this darkness song. See, see beware what we can do. of darkness. All right. Yes. Now I just have to remember to do it in break. Um, it was re- really good at the Bangladesh concert because Leon Russell helped sing it too. So Leon was an excellent performer back in the day. Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports, set to join us around 11.15. We'll chat about Jonathan Gannon, off-season stories around the NFL, all coming up with Frank. Your calls today as well around 11.30 and 12.15 if you'd like to join the program. As I mentioned, Jonathan Gannon introduced as new Cardinals head coach this morning. I was able to catch part of it. We'll have much more about it tomorrow as well. Uh, So some takeaways that I'll share here in a minute. But in general, Bob... Do you think we make too much about this, quote, winning the press conference? I mean, if it goes really bad, we certainly know that. Uh, But do we make too much of this? Probably. Uh, And actually, his former boss, so to speak, Nick Sirianni, had one of the worst press conferences ever. Uh, And then remember Matt Rule, it was like a revival meeting when he got the job in Carolina, and that didn't turn out well at all. So... There's a couple of examples of why the press conference is overrated. Yeah, and then I also remember a couple of years ago with uh, Adam Gase with the Jets, and that went terrible, and the coaching stint went terrible. Yeah, I don't even remember that one. That must have been just you know, out of sight, out of mind, <laughs> as, far as, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, maybe it was more the memes that made their way around uh, the Twitter sphere. See, there you go. Yeah, see, I don't do that. So uh, maybe I would have had a lasting impression at that point. So a few of the takeaways, like I said, we'll have much more about this tomorrow when we're all able to go back, uh, re-listen to everything that Jonathan Gannon had to say. But uh, according to Monty Ossenfort, they talked to over 10 candidates for this vacant head coaching position. And Ossenfort did mention, unprompted, Gannon's ability to to work with the scouting department. And that was something that we discussed in yesterday's show when we were going through uh, his background of 15 years in the NFL. Yeah, and uh, Mr. Gannon is on NFL Network right now as we speak, uh, doing a live interview with them. So uh, making the rounds after the press conference this morning. That makes sense. Uh, So there are four pillars to which uh, Jonathan Gannon wants the Arizona Cardinals to play uh, and that's how he is going to coach and those four pillars are adaptability violence explosiveness and smart so he'll explain all of those things and we'll figure out what uh, you know adaptability means and what violence means and explosiveness and smart means he also mentioned um, that you know he he talked a lot and was asked a lot about Kyler Murray Michael Bidwell mentioned that Gannon has a specific vision for Kyler uh, that they weren't going to really like get into all of the details here but that was an important part in the process of making sure that Kyler's in a position to succeed seed and I know that I've been on this side and it's certainly something I'm going to ask Frank about maybe being a little bit more surprised that the Cardinals didn't reach out and interview more offensive minded head coaches to try to uh, facilitate bring about the talent that is Kyler Murray 
but maybe I was looking at it from a wrong perspective that a defensive perspective knows all the different ways that you have to try to defend Kyler and that therefore you can kind of get back to attacking the weaknesses of an opposing defense to make him more explosive and get the offense rolling. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, the other side of this, you know, I don't have an official score sheet here or anything, but it seemed like that there were more defensive coordinator or guys with defensive backgrounds that interviewed for head coaching openings this year than the usual. So uh, so maybe it's just a, a more limited pool of offensive people. Then the other thing is, not I don't have a score sheet on this either, but it's sure, whether no matter what the sport, it seems like, when there's a coaching change, whatever the philosophy of the previous coach was, which obviously most of the time those guys are fired, they don't leave on their own, uh, you know, didn't work out, you kind of you know, take the other side in, you know, with, your, with your next hiring at least. Yeah, that's a good point. That's often what we see. Uh, in addition to this, Jonathan Gannon was asked if he's going to call the defense. And I thought this was a good question. And he answered with it with not sure if he's going to call the defense just yet. But he cited the fact that he saw Nick Sirianni go through this exact process when he yeah. took over as head coach, that he was the offensive play caller, then decided to take a step back this year and really just get more into an overseeing role. And obviously that worked out well for the team as they were playing in Super Bowl 57. Right, and that actually started last year during the season when they changed uh, the offensive uh, you know, play calling and so forth. And you know, it also had uh, you know kind of coincided with Jalen Hurts. Uh, you know, obviously he didn't reach the level of play that he did this season, but he started to show some improvement last year. And even though at the end of last year, I don't know if it was strictly because of that Tampa Bay playoff loss when Hurts was not good. But not everybody in Philadelphia was totally on board for Hertz this year. And obviously, step one, according to Gannon here, is interviewing candidates for offensive coordinator that he'll be working with, you know, Monty Austin Fort on these candidates. He obviously has some uh, ideas of who might be a great fit to fit into what the identity they want to have on offense. And he says that the identity of the offense is all going to start and be built around quarterback Kyler Murray. Now, this is interesting because... Kyler will obviously not be ready to go starting week one. So we'll have to give it some grace period to see how this is all going to uh, come to fruition. The other thing is, you know, I was obviously doing the sports zone in the last hour and I didn't get to hear, uh, you know, what, uh, you know, what Gannon had to say. Did he meant was Vance Joseph's name brought up? Is he still part of this or not? It was not, and I was a little disappointed that nobody directly asked that. I, I guess the, the question about are you going to call the defense maybe would have led to that. Uh, yeah. There was a report this morning, I forget who reported it, that said that Gannon will be meeting with some of the coaching staff here today uh, to discuss what their role potentially will be or not be remaining with the team. So I imagine that that will be something addressed and we'll find out soon enough about uh, Vance Joseph's future with the Cardinals. Yeah, because they've got several coaches. Well, maybe several's kind of stretching it a little more. They have some coaches that are still under contract. So we'll see how that goes and who stays and who leaves. And some have obviously either left during the season, 
not on their own terms. That's uh, true. Then you also had some uh, coaches that have left already. Uh, I believe like tight ends coach comes to mind, uh, even uh, linebackers coach, I believe. So there's some coaches that have already found other opportunities. Yeah, well, when you're, you're hemming and hawing for 40-something days to get a head coach, I don't blame them to try to get a job somewhere because you don't know if you're going to have a job when they name a head coach. It is interesting. According to Michael Bidwell, they did not request to speak with Gannon until Sunday of the Super Bowl. Okay, well, that was, must have been very early on Sunday because one of the first things I saw when I got up on Sunday morning is that they were going to talk to him. Uh, we'll get into more around the NFL. Frank Schwab of Yahoo Sports is set to join us on the other side. It is the Extra Point. Easy Sports Talk with former NFL and MLB player Ed Smith and co-host Javon Adams airs Saturday mornings 10 to noon on KDUS AM 1060. Welcome back to Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060 and as always online at KDOS1060.com. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until 1 o'clock today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. And we're going to pop on out to the KDOS hotline as we're joined by Frank Schwab with Yahoo Sports. Frank, it's Bob and Kayla. How are you doing on this Thursday? Doing well. How are you guys? Doing fantastic. Well, Frank, we have to start here with the Arizona Cardinals. Locally this morning, they introduced Jonathan Gannon as their new head coach. And, you know, oftentimes we see this uh, where teams go in opposite directions as what they had before. Cliff Kingsbury being an offensive-minded guy, Jonathan Gannon coming in from a defensive perspective. Uh, But with Kyler Murray getting the money and the keys to the success, I've kind of been all over the map here on what direction they should have gone. Were you surprised that the Cardinals went in a defensive direction and a defensive-driven focus for their head coaching position? Um, a little bit. Uh, it, it's hard. I mean, you want to – the league's on with offense. We all know that. It's almost it's strange when we see a defensive coach get hired, although it happened a couple times this cycle. But, you know, especially with Kyler Murray, his you know, I mean, he's kind of a little bit at the crossroads of his career coming off the injury – with the big contract, but not really having the results you would like for that contract. So when I looked at it, I thought they would have been more involved with some of the offensive coaches. But I think at the end of the day, when, when it comes down to it, and, yeah, you, you're right, usually teams go opposite of what they had and, you know, personality, experience, offensive defense, everything. They, they, they try to go opposite. But I think the biggest thing is just get the best guy. You're bringing in these co- <laughs> these coordinators or assistant coaches or former head coaches, and – it shouldn't matter whether he's an offensive or a defensive coach. Uh, if you truly believe in Jonathan Gannon being that guy, and obviously the Cardinals do, then hire him. And you figure out the rest later. It's, it's, sometimes I think teams get too caught up in, oh, we need a guy who has experience, or we need, a, we need an offensive guy. When you just you know, you know spend a lot of time talking to these candidates, you pick the right one, you, you trust your gut on that. And, and there's good reasons to hire Jonathan Gannon. He's been a hot candidate blessed couple of coaching cycles and you know i think he's gonna be pretty good for the for the cardinals going forward and it's just he's gonna to have to do a good job you know picking his offensive staff because you know the the whole kyler murray situation it hangs over the entire franchise at this point as far as uh denver goes obviously you're based in denver you know sean payton's the guy um 
you know, what, what are your initial impressions? How does he make you know, Russell Wilson uh, you know, better than he was last year, which may not be very difficult to make him better? Uh, and the Rex Ryan thing out there, is there you know, that, that's an interesting mix if they're together. It really is a couple of big personalities, right? But, you know, I mean, I don't know why Rex has gotten this kind of reputation and everybody's like, oh, my God, how is this going to work? Rex Ryan's a great defensive coordinator. I mean, look at yeah. his record. He he has the top ten defense every single year. Players love him. He's he, yeah, he's a he's a kind of out a size personality. So he you know whenever it does fail for him, like it did with the Jets, it, he gets a lot of springs and arrows, right? Uh, but as far as just if you're picking a defensive coach, if you're picking a guy, I want this guy to run my defense. You do a lot worse than Rex Ryan. I'll tell you that. I, I like his style. I like. It, it, again, his track record is <laughs> not flawless, but it's pretty darn good. So you do wonder how it's going to work with the personalities because obviously Sean Payton, you know, he's an established guy. He has his ego. Rex Ryan has his ego. But I, I assume Sean Payton has thought that through too. So I, I like it actually. I think it's a, I think it's going to be a good fit. I think it's, you know, Rex is, is Ben still attached to the game, so I don't think it's passed him by or anything as he's been on any of these camps that – I think he's going to come in, and, and the players are going to respond to him well. If they do, you know, end up finalizing that thing, and I, it's going to make things interesting, if nothing else, in Denver. Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports, chatting all things NFL here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. Another team, they were first. Panthers getting their guy in Frank Reich. He's now brought in Evero as the new D.C., Jim Caldwell as a senior assistant. Do you like the direction that the Panthers are going, and is it still kind of hinged now upon what direction do they go at quarterback? Yeah, it really does. I mean, you do first things first, and I thought the coaching staff hires were really good. I like Frank Reich. I think he's a good coach. Uh, you know, I mean, you look at, at Jim Caldwell's resume, and it, it's, I think it's, you know, partially because he's kind of a quiet guy and didn't have great success as a head coach. But you look at his resume, and you're like, everywhere he goes, they win. They do well on offense. It's, it, he did go to a Super Bowl once, although Peyton Manning probably gets too much of the credit for that. I, I, like, I like Caldwell a lot. As, as just a coach, a guy I had on your staff, I hope he gets another shot to be a head coach soon because I do think he'd have success. I thought that was a really good hire for Reich. And then Evero, you know, a great season for the Broncos this year. I thought that that was a fantastic hire. There were a lot of teams after Evero to run their defense. Carolina getting him, but that was big. I really thought that that was, you know, a real key for Frank Reich. So, yeah, you got that part done. Now you got to figure out the quarterback. Like you said, it's not easy. I think that they're going to be definitely uh, one of those teams chasing a trade-up to, to draft one of these quarterbacks. I don't think Frank Reich wants to get back on that veteran at the end of his career carousel like he was with the Colts. I think he wants a guy to develop. So they're going to be in that market. But we'll see how that goes because, look, they're, they're not the only team looking for a quarterback at this point. There's a lot of teams out there that, that need to reboot a quarterback. So the, I think the competition to move up in the draft and trade is going to be pretty fierce. Speaking of quarterbacks and veteran quarterbacks, Derek Carr is out there. Uh, what, you know, there's a lot of different opinions of Derek Carr around the world. Uh, what do you think of him as a quarterback, and which team do you think would be the best fit for him? You know, I, it's going to be really interesting. I mean, he was cut, so he doesn't have to wait until we'll start the league year or anything. And But does he want to wait? Because I think when you look at it, the the key part of all this is Aaron Rodgers. I hate bringing up Aaron Rodgers again because all that drama is so exhausting. But 
<laughs> if Aaron Rodgers doesn't go to the Jets, wouldn't anybody want to go to the Jets? Wouldn't, if it's Derek Carr, at this point in your career, you know you're going to get paid no matter where you go. You want a chance to win a championship, go deep in the playoffs, kind of maybe stick it to the Raiders who, who never gave you enough help, right? The best chance to win a championship for any quarterback on the open market right now is the New York Jets. They just had the offensive and defensive rookies of the year. Brees Hall would have won offensive rookie of the year had he not gotten hurt. They have a really, really good young core. They just need a quarterback. And whatever quarterback they get is going to be a massive upgrade over Zach Wilson. So I wonder if Derek Carr goes – like, I think the Saints make sense. And I think that's probably where he's going to end up. But I do wonder if he just waits and says, I want to see what Aaron does. Because if Aaron Rodgers decides and the Packers decide to trade him and Aaron Rodgers, it, you know, that whole thing works out where he's gone from the Packers, I think the Jets will, or the team that makes the most sense. But if it doesn't, the Jets still need a quarterback. And they're, they're not looking for the rookie route. They're, they want a guy who can win now. I think that'd be a great fit for Derek Carr. So I'll say the Saints are probably the most likely. But keep an eye on the Jets because they're the one team that, could take the absolutely, possibly the biggest leap with an upgraded quarterback this offseason. Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. Uh, you alluded there to Aaron Rodgers, and uh, I think he's in the darkness now. Not quite sure what's going on with that. <laughs> but when it comes to Aaron Rodgers, are we to the point where let's make a decision sooner rather than later, and where is a best fit for him if it's not back in Green Bay? Yeah, and I think it would uh, – I mean – Man, I can't believe that we're revisiting history like this, but uh, it would be at the Jets, right? Like, I know the Favre thing. It, it just, the, the, it's so weird that Aaron Rodgers frustratingly sat and waited while Favre did his dance with retirement every year, and then Favre ends up with the Jets, and the same thing might happen, what is it, 15 years later. It's kind of unbelievable. But, that I mean, that makes the most sense. And, you know, I kind of had a sarcastic answer early in the offseason saying, I just think he's going to come back to the Packers because this is what we do. He just wants the attention, the drama, and then he just ends up coming back to the Packers, and that's that. But this does feel different. I think that the Packers have to take a step back and say, we didn't even make the playoffs last year. Our quarterback wasn't as good as he was the past two years, and that's just the truth. He's still fine, but he he took a step back. I don't think there's a question. He's going to be 40. This is our last chance to get trade value out of Aaron Rodgers, and this is our last chance to get a look at Jordan Love. And – I, I kind of think it makes sense to, right now to, to pull the trigger on that and just start something new. See what you got with it, with Jordan Love, especially because Aaron still has a lot of trade value. I, I wouldn't trade for a 39, soon-to-be 40-year-old quarterback, but somebody will. Somebody's going to give you something. And if it's the Jets, they, they, again, they're desperate, and they could, they could envision themselves as a Super Bowl contender with Aaron Rodgers. So I think it's going to be the Jets. I really do. If I, if I have to, to make predictions at this point, I think Aaron Rodgers ends up with the Jets, and I think the Jets are a really, really good football team if, he, if they do land him. Yeah, for the a team that just played in the Super Bowl, the Eagles, they've got some questions here. Obviously, they lost to both their coordinators this week. Uh, Jalen Hurts, does he get a contract extension in the offseason? They've got some veteran players who a couple might retire. They've, they've got decisions to make. What, what, what intrigues you the most about the Eagles offseason? Yeah, no question about it. And it hurts. I mean, you know, I, I remember writing a preview before the season started and saying the reason the Eagles have this loaded roster is because their quarterback has a $1.64 million yeah. cap hit. That was, I think at the time, like 31 times less than Ryan Tannehill or something. I mean, it's just something <laughs> crazy like that. And, team, look, you can win with a quarterback making a lot of money, but it makes it so much tougher. They don't have A.J. Brown if, if Jalen Hurts is in that 
35 to $40 million a year range. They don't have us on Reddick if, if Jalen Hurts is making that much money, which he soon will. And I think he's proven, he's shown the Super Bowl, all that, that he is a, a top quarterback and he's going to get that money. But it just it's going to make roster building for the Eagles so much tougher. And Howie Roseman's done a great job, and I, he will continue to do a great job, and they might just keep rolling on here. But that whole, like, hey, we have to maximize the window of our rookie quarterback deal, that's over now. You're going to have to pay Jalen. So that's the biggest challenge, and it's just structuring a contract. We can have a little bit of flexibility for a while and then realizing that, Hey, we're not just we don't have the luxury of going and, and trading for a receiver and giving him a hundred million dollars. Like that that's that's gone now because Jalen's gonna make that money. So just a different set of challenges. But the roster's still pretty well set up to succeed. I could see them yeah, I mean the Super Bowl hangover hits everybody, so we'll see. But you know, obviously they will be one of the favorites in the NFC coming in the next season. They had a really, really good year and, and they can get right back to a Super Bowl if things break right for them. Patrick Mahomes raised the bar yet again with his performance this season and in the playoffs. Of the young QBs in the AFC, you have Joe Burrow, you have Josh Allen, you have Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence. Who's ready and poised to make that leap to really start to dethrone the Chiefs? And who has the team to make it all happen? Yeah, and I, I kind of wrote a little bit being funny, but what if these guys are all just Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing, and Carl Malone, and they just happen to be great players playing against the NFL's Jordan, and they're never going to win a championship. I mean, that's possible. It really is. But I, I, it's hard in the NFL to keep winning, though, like the Chiefs have. If there's one day, it's got to be the Bengals. The Bengals are so set up to succeed, to win big. They're good on both sides of the ball. I mean, they lost to Arrowhead in overtime, I guess, or, you know, last play of the AFC Championship game, I should say. So they're right there. I think that they – they're set up the best to kind of dethrone the Chiefs. The one team that, that interests me the most is the Jaguars, though. And not to say that they're there yet, because they're certainly not, but I'll tell you what, the, what we saw to Trevor Lawrence the last month and a half of the season, I think it got uh, kind of overlooked a little bit because of the four interceptions he threw in the first half against the Chargers, but uh, he was amazing at times late in the year. You can really see that this is the guy we all thought would be that guy coming out of Clemson, that uber prospect. So, I really am interested in the Jaguars, see where they're heading next. Uh, you know, they, they, we'll see how they build that roster. But there's a, it, it's crazy how much talent is in the AFC. But can they, can they beat the Chiefs? Like, the Chiefs basically rebuilt this year and won a Super Bowl. But if the Chiefs traded Tyreek Hill, still won a Super Bowl. That has to be so disheartening to the rest of the NFL that that team is so good that they could trade an all-pro receiver and still win that you, you wonder when, when how many chances are going to be left for – Burrow, Al, and everybody else that's Patrick Mahomes in a hog them all. Last one for me here in the coaching cycle, finally complete. Uh, yeah, obviously, Sean Payton seems to be number one on the you know the two you know the uh, the conquering list. He's number one. Uh, is, is there a second best hire uh, in your opinion from the you know last you know last few weeks here of the coaching cycle? I, I love the Domenico the D'Amico Ryan's hire because and part of that is the curve of. I didn't think the Houston Texans were going to get anybody. I mean, somebody would fill the spot, you know what I mean? But I, I didn't think that they would get anybody to move the needle whatsoever. The only thing the Texans, who are probably the most dysfunctional franchise in the NFL, except maybe Washington, all they had to offer was, we're one of 32 teams. That's <laughs> it. Like, there's no hope on that franchise. They've bungled everything. But how lucky did they get that one of the top coaching candidates in the cycle 
happened to be one of the great linebackers from their team's past and wanted to come back and, and reconnect with that franchise. I mean, if D'Amico Ryans played his career for the Indianapolis Colts, the Houston Texans probably would have hired an assistant we've never heard of. I mean, it's, it, it was, it's just a bad job. So I thought it was a grand slam hire for the Texans. I think the world of D'Amico Ryans, he's a good leader, great defensive mind, as we've seen through his San Francisco defenses. I think that if anyone can turn that franchise around, be the adult in the room finally, it might be D'Amico. I thought that that was the best hire just because of what I expected from the Texans coming into this was so low. And they got a guy who, you know, aside from, yeah, again, maybe Sean Payton was the best hire of the, uh, of the entire cycle here. Last question, Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports here on KDOS AM 1060 in the extra point. So it's early. We still have free agency. We still have the draft. So this may be an unfair question as we're sitting here on February 16th. But we saw the Jags go from last to making the playoffs. Are there any teams that have those same foundational pieces struggled but can turn it around that you see early on making that move in 2023? Hmm, that's a good question. I I haven't really thought that through. As far as, like, you know, teams kind of, quote-unquote, at the bottom, I'll say this. I mean, not that this is a surprise to anybody, but I think the Lions are going to take a huge leap. I think that, I'd say the Chargers, but they're in the Chiefs division, so I'm, I'm done kind of trying to bet against Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. <laughs> that's, that's, just, that's just kind of dumb. I do think Carolina might be on the verge. One of those NFC South teams, the division's there for the taking for the next few years. There's a lot of rebuilding going on. So I think that they're in that mix. I think Seattle actually is a pretty good team, although they just made the playoffs. So I have to think about that. We'll have to talk later in the offseason when I, when I can finally see how these rosters shape up. But I don't know that there's one team that jumps off the page as this is the team that's going to make that enormous leap because a lot of those teams started to show signs, whether it be the Jaguars, the Chargers, the Lions, again, I love the Lions coming into this offseason. There's a lot of teams that already showed those signs. It kind of took that one step, and now we'll see if they can make that next big mega step in 2023. All right, I'm making a mental note. Next time we talk to Frank, after draft, after free agency, revisit the question, <laughs> revisit the topic. Absolutely. Frank, as always, Very thank fun. you so much for the time with Bob and I. Enjoy the rest of your day. Absolutely, I appreciate it. Frank Schwab there of Yahoo Sports. And, uh, yeah, you know, I think he makes a good point about the the D'Amico Ryans uh, hire yeah. in this situation. And, uh, obviously, Tex- the Houston area, the, being in the Texans franchise means a lot to D'Amico Ryans. No doubt. Uh, in addition to him playing there, he met his wife there, etc. And they have some pieces. I mean, they need they need a lot of help. I mean, they, need, they just don't have a, you know, any depth really almost at any position maybe not at any position uh, but they've got some four or five players who are pretty close to elite at their positions in the nfl so that's a starting point at least and uh seems like they're willing to spend some money here so we'll see how that goes in the next few weeks 602-260-1060 if you'd like to join the conversation Jonathan Gannon hire with the Arizona Cardinals anything else college uh, basketball NBA Major League Baseball getting set to start for spring training at 602-260-1060 here in the Extra Point we'll do what's best for the team and we'll do what's best for you the Rich Eisen Show coming to you weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com Watch out now. Take 
Well, if you missed it earlier in the program, uh, we were referencing Aaron Rodgers and how we think he's going into the darkness at some point soon. And Bob, you had mentioned uh, Beware of the Darkness, George Harrison. So we have a little uh, rejoin with the darkness. All right, George Harrison. And once again, for those of you uh, seeking the best version of this, uh, the concert for Bangladesh. Uh, George Harrison obviously was the founder of that and got it all together and they played this song and Leon Russell kind of stole the show part, partly with his vocals in this song. Uh, so that is... That was like a 1971 or 72? One of those. I think it was 72. Okay. That's a long time ago. I'll have to Google that one as well. I was a, I was a young man then. I was a child then, so it's a long, really long time ago. I'm still, t- I'm a child sometimes now, but it has nothing to do with the birth certificate. So, well, we have to keep our youth with us. I just, well, there's a difference of keeping youth with you and acting as opposed to acting like a child. Oh, so, oh I see, fine, I see. Fine, fine line there. And you've seen me uh, act like a child before. God bless you. And you, and I'm, and I'm still employed, which is great. <laughs> The so Nets. Thank you very much. You're welcome. <laughs> the Nets, they beat the Heat last night, 116 to 105. But we have to bring this up because Mikel Bridges ended up having a career yeah. night for himself. My goodness. Uh, 45 points, 17 of 24, four of six from three, eight rebounds, and five assists. But this is what's even more mind boggling. This is coming from Opta Stats. Bridges is the first player in NBA history to. Buckle up. It's a lengthy list here. Score 40 or more points, grab five or more rebounds, have five or more assists, block two or more shots, have two or more steals, shoot 70% from the field, shoot 65% from three, shoot 100% from the foul line, all in the same game. And he did it against the Heat. I mean, you know, they're one of the better defensive teams in the league. I don't know if where they stack up defensively this season, but certainly, you know, Spolstra slash Pat Riley, you know, great defensive minds. And uh, I would assume, I didn't watch this game, but I would assume at some point they decided, hey, we need to stop this guy. And they didn't. And they couldn't. You, you know, you bring that up. Good defensive player. You know, I think of Jimmy Butler. I, I think of yeah. obviously him being you know, what he is on the offensive side of the ball. But he's no slouch on the defensive end. Well, and there's even, even put Bam on him if you have to. See if that works. There was one point in time where Mikel Bridges just took it right to Jimmy Butler and crossed him up and then ended up Whoa. making a fadeaway. And I was like, where was this when Mikel was here? So obviously. He was playing within a certain system uh, that that's not where what he was being asked to do. But clearly, uh, the unleashing of Mikhail Bridges, we saw his potential last night. Maybe he's just upset. <laughs> I don't know. And that could be it, not, too. <laughs> it's not like right now, as the Nets is currently constructed, they have a lot of offensive options. And that, needless to say, when you know, Bridges had some very good offensive games here this year, a lot of that was because the Suns didn't have that many other options, especially when Booker was out and when Paul was out and when they were both out simultaneously and so forth. So we'll see. While we're talking about the Heat here real quickly, looks like that uh, yeah, Kevin Love might end mm-hmm. up with the Heat. And uh, I would love to see Kevin Love here. It appears that Kevin Love's going to be bought out by the Cavaliers but you know, he's a rebound. I don't care. He could be 90 years old, and that dude's going to be a rebounding machine. 
And that's something I really think the Suns could actually use, but I don't know if he has any in interest in being here. But it's, fu it's funny, though, because several years ago, and like three teams ago, you know, there were a lot of Suns trade rumors involving Kevin Love, and I was completely against it then. I thought it was just ridiculously foolish. But now, uh, in advanced years, and he doesn't need to run – you don't need to run plays for the dude, and he will rebound, uh, like I said, until his dying breath, I'm sure. Uh, so I, I would be for it now, but I don't know if that's a possibility or not. Uh, the price points a lot, uh, probably a little bit different as well this yeah. time around in his career. Um, to your point, though, here with what the Suns need to do, obviously the buyout market is upon them uh, because clearly making the decision to trade four first-round picks, Cam Johnson, Mikel Bridges, for Kevin Durant and TJ Warren, you're thinking there's a really great opportunity for you to win now. Uh, is it just me, though, in creating this contrived pressure, or do you think that there is pressure within the building to go about and, and get it done, get, get to the finals this year, and anything less than a finals appearance is a disappointment after a trade like this? I think there's, you know, without question, if they don't make it to the finals or win the finals, it's a disappointment. Uh, I would assume if you're thinking that, that to that extent, it's, you know, win the championship or, you know, it's, you know, this isn't working. Uh, and we're also at the point of this NBA season now, you know, because the All-Star break is longer than it's been, you know, not this deep into the season. There's only like 20 games left in the regular season, uh, roughly, for these teams. They're all around 60. Uh, right now, an 82-game regular season. And, you yeah, know, that's why yeah, games like the game against the Kings on Tuesday night, you know, there are only a couple games behind the Kings in a loss column. Uh, the game tonight against the Clippers, you know, the Suns are 32-27, and 27, the Clippers are 32-28. and 28. And the fact that the Suns have this kind of lost in the shuffle, including by me until the last couple of weeks here, is they're nine and zero against the Pacific Division this year, and when you're fighting for playoff positioning, that that's a big deal. And the, the Clippers are just four and four against division opponents, but uh, and this is the third time they played this year, and they've split the first two meetings. So, you know, and now I think it's actually time to at least explore who you're playing in the regular season. And we have talked about how this you know jumble of teams in the Western Conference. Now I think it actually really matters because, as I mentioned, we're down to roughly 20 games left in the regular season. Yeah, as you mentioned, the Suns are hosting the Clippers tonight, 8 p.m. on TNT. Uh, last I had seen, I didn't really see any updates if uh, Kawhi or Paul George were, yeah. were out because you always have to monitor right. them and, and their situation right. with the Clippers. You know, it's interesting going back a little bit to the you have to win now thing with making the move for Kevin Durant because I decided to look into you know Chris Paul a little bit. 37 years old here and age is obviously a factor. We've seen the injury history and how much that has impacted him just in his time here in Phoenix, let alone his entire career. Uh, the last time that Paul shot 43% from the floor, which is what he's shooting this year, it was his rookie season, 2005 to 2006. Obviously, with the addition of Kevin Durant, when he finally gets out there, Devin Booker being healthy, you're, you're not asking Chris Paul to shoot and have a high volume of shots. You're asking him to be a facilitator. You're asking him to do probably what he wants to do more so now is rack up those assists. So that's, you know, obviously really helpful to take some of the load off of him. But 
it's kind of getting down to now or never with the way that things have shaped up and unfolded. Yeah, I think the shooting percentage thing is really misleading, though, because he's shot, he's shot much better since he's come back after what that was his second injury stint where he missed a bunch of games. Uh, he started the season horribly uh, shooting. And, yeah, I don't know if he officially said it, but the speculation was that, you know, at his age, he didn't exactly, you know, kill himself in the offseason taking a bunch of shots and so forth. And why would you at this stage of her career? Plus, let's kind of go back to last week. You know, lots there were trade rumors involving Chris Paul, including possibly going to the Nets for Durant and and so forth. And there's I know there's speculation uh, before the deadline that they'd be interested in Fred Van Vliet, who's actually a free agent at the end of the season. I know there's been reports this week that they would be interested in Van Vliet if he's you know on the free agent market this upcoming season. I think it's. I don't know, safe to say is probably too strong of a term, but it, it's at least worth bringing up right now. And I assume we'll bring this up several times between now and whenever next season starts. Uh, this is probably Paul's last season here, I think. I, I think you could definitely say indicators are pointing in that direction, right? Ooh, excellent way to put that. Yeah, thank you very much. I needed to shoot me a note to tell me that before I said it. I didn't <laughs> say it, and you said it. Next time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, okay, work on that. Carrier pigeon or something. Yeah, get that here. Yeah, so. We'll wrap up our number one of the extra point on the other side of the break. The Genesis Invitational is underway. We'll take a look at that. Uh, Big Cat, Tiger Woods, he tees off later this afternoon, uh, 1.04 p.m. Arizona time. So we don't have any uh, updates on how he's doing quite yet, but we'll wrap be up. toasty by then. Yeah, it should warm right up. <laughs> I mean... If it, if it was anything like it was this morning here in Arizona in L.A., it was a chilly, chilly morning, that's for sure. Okay, for you, hard to believe. <laughs> I swear, it really was. <laughs> Hour number one, wrapping it up on the other side. Carving out time in your afternoon for the Doug Gottlieb Show, right here on KDUS AM 1060, 100.7 HD2, and KDUS1060.com. Weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. Taking a look at the Genesis Invitational from L.A. Sitting atop the leaderboard. This is not who anyone would have picked heading into things. Matt Kuchar is sitting atop the leaderboard. He's five under par through ten holes. I'm sure you've heard that name before, right, Bob? I have. You have we haven't loaded up on Matt Kuchar for this tournament? Uh, no, no. There was okay. no indicators <laughs> saying, oh, Matt's about ready to break out and have a great week. Uh, yeah. Tom Hoagie, he's sitting in uh, second place at four under par. John Rahm, again, continuing his stellar uh, play of golf. I'm already in on him on the Masters uh, preseason, or yeah, I guess you can say pre-tournament uh, selection there. Seems like uh, he's just built for Augusta. It's just time to get it done, John. Uh, he's sitting at three under par in a tie for fourth. A couple of other big names. Willie Z is playing this week after skipping the WM Phoenix Open. He's at three under 
under par through nine holes. And then Adam Scott is someone that we were looking at. He's at two under par in a tie for 10th. Another player we were looking at is Max Homa. He's at four under par through 11 holes in a tie for second. As I mentioned, Tiger Woods yet to tee off. We also took Justin Thomas. He is yet to tee off as well. Uh, So we'll continue to monitor the Genesis Invitational. Last night, I'm sure you were glued to Netflix, Bob. It was the uh, (laughs) release, the drop night of Full Swing. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So they're talking about the excitement here. Yes, correct. Uh, There were eight episodes. And so I obviously did not get through all eight. I've only gotten through two. No, an all nighter. Uh, I did not. No, I'm a little too old for all nighters, I think. (laughs) Oh, I don't think you're not. You're not. I mean, I hell you're 31 or whatever. I pulled many all nighters at 31 and beyond, probably maybe up to like 45. And then I was done. Fair enough. Um, but but, I was doing other things all night, though. So I watched the first two episodes. I'm not going to give anything away, and we'll we'll dive into a little bit more when I do end up finishing it. But episode two uh, was very eye-opening, getting into the mindset of Brooks Kepka. Uh, what's cool about <laughs> this here is that you know it has some of the players that ended up defecting to live. But I thought of you, Bob, because your man, he's always Brooks. You like him, how he That's just right. shows up to majors and he wins, right? Yeah. And I'd, I'd like to hear about that mindset. Set. I mean, every, every, professional, every professional athlete should be paying attention to that. Well, here's what I'll say about that after watching it. I think whatever he needed to do to kind of have that mindset that made him untouchable for that three-year stretch also ended up destroying him. Ooh. Yeah. Not good. No, Not good. I, and I, I can see now where we're headed down this path of why he chose going to live so we'll see if i i'm right as we continue the uh chronological nature of following this season we did get episode one uh the bromance between justin thomas and jordan spieth uh so i'm sure there's going to be more players integrated in here as we continue on for the next six episodes of full swing the netflix documentary hour number two is coming up on the other side of the break it is the extra point bob camp kayla mortellaro with you on this thursday February 16th.